1: You're listening to LSU Daily with Matt Moscona. You're home for all the latest Tiger news. Part of the Guarantee Podcast Network. Okay, let's get it. It is LSU Daily. I'm your host, Matt Moscona. Glad to have you aboard with us here. We are brought to you by Tecovis. Uh We will talk some recruiting with Shay Dixon of On 3 the Bengal Tiger coming up here in just a bit, big time. Uh, Official visit for LSU this past weekend from Gabriel Relaford, who uh, from Evangel and Shreveport, Texas A&M, commit, decommitted, makes his official visit to LSU, promptly decommits, and uh, has an announcement set for this Friday. So we'll get to that with Shay coming up here in just a bit. So Brian Kelly met with reporters, and as you imagine, uh, one of the topics that came up was going to be potential staff changes. So far, it's been quiet on the home front, but there's been a lot of conversation, mostly around Madhouse. Is he going to be retained? And if he is, what seemingly inevitable changes are coming? We've all talked about it. LSU allowed, in conference play this year, 33 points per game. You cannot be historically bad and maintain the status quo. You have got to change something. You cannot maintain the status quo and just assume it's going to be better. Could Is getting better players the most important part of that? Absolutely, no doubt. But you also, with the talent you had, there's no excuse for you being as bad as you were. So staff changes have to come. Is it Matt House? Is it other defensive staff? That's going to be something Brian Kelly's going to have to address. And he was asked about it and said he's not even quite yet to the staff evaluation part of the offseason.
0: Last week was really about our players. This week, we're really recruiting. And and then we'll get to other evaluations within the staff. Once recruiting goes dead and our coaches' responsibilities have completed, they have responsibilities, and and they have to finish off their responsibilities to LSU. Then then we'll do evaluations of staff. And so uh, that's another week away.
1: So another week away before they even get to the staff evaluations. I think there's... There's two ways to look at this. First of all, Brian Kelly said there does make some sense that you could say, okay, well, it's you're in a recruiting period. Once you get to the dead period, then you can focus on staff changes because you need guys to go recruit. And you can say, well, if a guy's going to be fired, why is he out recruiting? And I get that, and that's the other part of it. Like, how are you recruiting? Well, How do you have staff out there recruiting when they can't answer the question that recruits may ask, are you going to be here next year? So it's a very valid question and they don't have the answer to it as of yet because they haven't gone through the evaluation. So that's probably a case-by-case basis. I think one thing that you pretty consistently hear recruits say or or, one of the pitches to recruits is don't commit to a coach. Certainly don't commit to an assistant coach. Commit to a school. I don't know how realistic that is in 2023 with NIL and everything there, but that sort of makes sense why Kelly was talking about it there. So, if you wait until the recruiting dead period to have your staff evaluations, which are a week away, then ultimately you get to that point. And I will tell you, part of the scuttle also has been whether or not Brian Kelly is willing to make some of these changes. Here's, here's what I mean. Let me elaborate a bit. A year. Let me give you an example, which is the best way to explain this. Show you instead of tell you. A year ago, LSU was one of the worst teams in American special teams. Their special teams efficiency rating was 130th in the country. There were only three teams in America worse than LSU in special teams efficiency. Brian Polian was LSU's special teams coordinator. He was also the recruiting coordinator, incidentally. Well, Brian Kelly waited until February. If you remember, it wasn't right after the season, it was after signing day in in late February. He reassigns Polian to an off field role. Didn't fire him. Kept him on staff, just moved him from an on field role to an off field role. And then ultimately Brian Polian accepted a job as, as an AD, as the A D at his alma mater. So Kelly sort of reassigned within his staff, and then that that guy left. And a lot of coaches do things like that. It allows assistants to stay, as they call it, ahead of the resume. There's a there's tons of examples of this over the years. Um, if you remember when um, uh, when Gary Croton was here, he was the offensive coordinator at LSU, and then he left to be the offensive coordinator at Maryland. I got news for you, Coach. You don't leave as the OC at LSU to go be the OC at Maryland, which at the time was in the ACC. It just that's not a realistic. You, you don't do that. You don't you don't take a lesser job. You're forced out. It's hey, go find a job. When Bradley Dale Pivotow and Doug Mallory had the co-DC thing in 2008, they weren't fired. Les didn't fire him. He said, go get a job. Pivato became the head coach at Northwestern State. Mallory went out and became the DC at New Mexico or New Mexico State, one of them. So sometimes that happens. The timeline here is what's a little screwy because you'd rather it happen sooner than later. I guess the possibility remains that Madhouse could be retained. But you know, is Brian Kelly trying to find a more palatable way to go about making these changes instead of just, you know, ripping the band aid off and hiring somebody new. Again, this is only Brian Kelly's second offseason at LSU. We're still learning him and how he's going to go about things. But Brian Kelly did address that head on, saying, like, he knows making these types of decisions comes with a job and they'll stare it straight on.
0: I was three games into a season in 2016 in Notre Dame. I had to fire my defensive coordinator, and he was in my wedding. Those aren't easy decisions, okay? I'm not afraid to make those decisions, and I'm going to do what's best for LSU's football program and the pursuit of a national championship. But I'm going to do it informed. I'm going to do it for what's best for the program because it's involving players, it's involving coaches, it's involving all things as it relates to being more successful as a defense. So it's not on one person, it's collectively. And so if it was that easy, we would have been in
1: a different place. That one person, of course, he's talking about is Matt House. Now, the coach that he fired three games into the season back in 2016 was Brian Van Gorder. And Brian Van Gorder was with Brian Kelly at Central Michigan and was, if you remember, D.C. of the Atlanta Falcons. And that was the one miss that he had as a D.C. during his time at Notre Dame. And after Van Gorder, I'll remind you, Brian Kelly brought in Mike Elko. And that went very well. And then Elko left Notre Dame for A&M, became the head coach at Duke. Now he's the head coach at Texas A&M. After Elko left, it was Marcus Freeman, who's now the head coach in Notre Dame. Point being, Brian Kelly has done a really good job throughout his career of hiring defensive coordinators. We all collectively, my hands in the air, thought the Matt House hire was great. Matt House had been a really successful defensive coordinator in the SEC at Kentucky, had NFL experience at Kansas City, came very highly recommended. My goodness, Tyron Matthew called him one of the best coaches he'd ever been around. So, It's not that Matt House can't coach defense. Maybe he's really struggling to explain what he wants conceptually to his talent. Maybe the blend of what he wants with his talent isn't good enough. There's a lot of reasons why. And and I'm willing to say to Brian Kelly, okay, you're the man. You're making $100 million. You've done this for three decades. You've won everywhere you've been. You've hired good DCs. I trust you to get it right. But after a season like this, if you keep the status quo, then they nobody left to blame but you. So I'll be patient. I'm not going to rip and rant and roar right now. But keeping the status quo is a very, very dangerous path to walk down if you're Brian Kelly. well, I'll wait. I'll wait another week. Recruiting dead period. Staff evaluations is coming another week. We'll see what he does. I, it's okay. I'll wait another week. Um, one more Brian Kelly was asked about continuity on, on staff which clearly there has not been a lot at LSU over the last five years
0: you're two years in you've developed a culture within your program a way to communicate a routine habits things that you want your leadership to espouse on a day-to-day basis you have to factor those in in terms of making a decision but you also have to factor in the play of your defense and are there things that are correctable Right? Under that leadership, are there things that are not correctable? So all of that has to be considered when making those kinds of decisions.
1: All right. Well, we'll wait. I'll be patient. And I'll react whenever we have news. But if the news is no news, brother Brian Kelly's put himself strictly, directly in the crosshairs. We will get to Shea Dixon of On Three, the Bengal Tiger, here in just a minute. Important time for recruiting. But of course, every single day here, we're brought to you by Tacovis. And ladies and gents, your Baton Rouge Tacovis store is open. Stop by Tacovis at Perkins Row, grab a cold one, get acquainted with a great pair of Western boots. Each pair of Tacovis. Are quality made to keep you in a personal style that's all yours to own. A great pair of boots will elevate your casual game day look or add that refined flair that'll draw eyes at the stadium. Sure to start conversations. From Death Valley to your next national championship, step into a new pair of Tacovas. Stop by the store at Perkins Row and don't go gently. Brian Kelly and his squad are out. Uh, the staff are out recruiting right now, trying to get the uh, portal to um, Recruiting board all in order and heading toward that early signing period. Shay's with us now. We appreciate it, Shay. How are you, man? I'm
2: doing well. How are you, Matt?
1: Doing very well. I want to start. Let me go backwards then to catch up. Um, Gabriel Relliford, big defensive lineman out of Evangel, had been committed to Texas A&M. decommitted, took his ev- official to LSU this weekend, and, and then obviously decommitted. What's the uh, what's the latest there? The, uh,
2: the latest, uh, I think, to sum it up shortly without me people. Making, or I should say, making people wait on my long-winded answer would be that LSU could be on the verge on Friday, or should be on the verge Friday, uh, to receiving a commitment from a top five player in Louisiana. And in my opinion, the best D-lineman in the state. And uh, Early on, it was identified, it was clear that LSU needed d with this cycle. And when Relaford committed to AM and he had had a great junior season at Evangel, uh, LSU offered in July, but he had already been committed at that point. So, it was about having to flip him, and they got him in for games this year, and I just always said, look, this is going to come down to December, an official visit, in-home visits, when they make those final pitches to why he should be a Tiger, and um, kind of unbeknownst to me over the summer and kind of into the fall that they would fire Jimbo Fisher, and then that would lead to defensive line coach Elijah Robinson not being part of the staff anymore. He took the D.C. job at Syracuse. He was the primary recruiter on Gabe so after this visit this weekend and all that shook out kind of simultaneously, actually, you know, coincidentally, coincidentally but fortunately for LSU on Sunday, uh, and he announces his decommitment and at the same time says, hey, look, I'm ready to announce a final decision. You can put the pieces together. Yeah. He does that coming off of a three-day stay at LSU with his entire family. And I go back to when I first talked to Gabe when he got the LSU offer and he was committed to A&M but said, Look, this is a dream offer for me. she has been my dream school, so I think that they had to put in the work here. But obviously, uh, their recruiting efforts appear to be on the verge of paying off and locking up another top-five player in Louisiana, and maybe more importantly, a player at a position of real need, which is the defensive
1: line. Um, so Shay. W- Relaford's one guy, obviously, we've seen a mass exodus at, at A&M, I mean, Walter Nolan's probably the biggest name there, I mean, there's players with other, uh, aside from Relaford now, who's a commitment, but other players there at A&M have decommitted that have ties to Louisiana. Is is there more possibility of adding guys from A&M as, as everyone's jumping ship in College Station?
2: I mean, I think the number one guy I'm watching immediately is Jordan Gilbert. Uh, he entered the portal officially today, and announced his intention to enter the portal, but... He was a guy at U-High that was a really good player. They offered, they just did really press for him uh, a few years back, uh, the old staff, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he ends up at A&M, and he was a starter for him. and He started this year until he got hurt, and that's when Jacoby Matthews moved in, another guy, and became the starter at safety. So uh, there, I know LSU's high on Jordan Gilbert, and the fact that he's now in the portal has uh, my full attention. I think he would be the next guy that you would point to and say, hey, look, there's a guy from A&M, from Louisiana, that is officially in the portal, that's at a position of need, which is safety. I mean, look at it. You don't have Andre Sam. What does? I know Major Burns walked on senior day, but he's got another year of eligibility left. He felt like taking it. You could be looking at having to replace both starting safeties, obviously. And even prior to this, obviously, Greg Brooks was a starting safety. So that kind of core group of guys were, the guys you leaned on the past two years. Now you've got to figure out: okay, are we trusting true freshmen, or Excuse me, not true freshmen. Inexperienced guys there. You know, not starters like Ryan Yates or being you know, a Jordan Allen or you move tobiano back there, or do you go out in the portal and say, hey, let's grab at least one guy who we know can come in and start? And I think Jordan Gilbert fits that bill.
1: Shay, um, Shay Dixon's with us, by the way, on through the Bengal Tiger on Twitter at Shay Dixon. Um, Brian Kelly spoke on Tuesday morning and said the staff is out recruiting right now, and said staff change decisions will be made when the when the dead period comes. Can you walk us through what that approach is? Meaning, how do coaches who might not be back next year go recruit and answer the question that kids may ask of, "Hey, are you going to be here?"
2: Yeah, look at this. I guess they get paid a lot of money to just keep doing your job until the job's no longer yours. And, uh, those conversations, I guess, would be ongoing. But uh, I'll give you an example. And I look, this could—I have no idea who that defensive coordinator next year is going to be. But tomorrow, Devon Key is one of their top linebacker commits, and we've got an article up on the Bengal Tiger right now about it, um and about his entire recruitment. But he said, "Hey, tomorrow night, my mom and dad are getting ready. We're cleaning up the house and having dinner and eat with Brian Kelly in that house." So. Those guys are out there. They are recruiting. They are doing their job until Brian Kelly decides what is the next step. And he laid it out. I thought he had a great press press conference today in terms of just being honest about it all where he said, look, here's the what we're doing right now. It's finish out signing day. Look, We're looking at the portal. We're having to hit the road to recruit. Whenever the dead period arrives, you now know, okay, we're signing these guys. signing day's done. I can then fully evaluate the staff and make the changes I do necessary and He used an old example, Matt, but he said, Mm -hmm. Brian Van Gorder, who was his only miss at Notre Dame. He hired Clark Lee, Mike Elko, Marcus Freeman. These guys, Bob Diaco, he brought with him from Cincinnati, a Burl's Award finalist. All those guys went on to become head coaches. So the miss was Van Gorder, and he said, look, I fired someone three games into a season once at D.C., and he stood in my wedding. He said, I understand that these aren't easy decisions, but I'm willing to make them. And I think even more, look, that was, 12 years ago or whatever at this point brian kelly is knows i have to win like this is it this is the final stop and i think he could have used a more recent example i mean letting go of Pauline, who was the only person he brought with him better day and a close friend because special teams cost him games last year matt that just is what it is and the reality was brian kelly assessed and said we're going in a different direction and that was someone he'd been close to for a very long time so I think even loyalty, and he had not worked with any of these guys before, but even loyalty, throw all that out the window. I, I think I would trust a guy who's been a head coach 30 plus years to assess what's going wrong and, and move forward with whatever plan of action he has. But as far as what the, the those current coaches, when they're in home and talking to recruits, is kind of just, hey, I'm here. I'm the coach right now until I'm informed differently.
1: Uh, no, it's a good point, Shane. And you're speaking of Polly, and I mean, that change didn't even come until the end of February. So they waited till after Truth. the February signing day before that, all those uh, chess pieces were moved. So we'll, we'll buckle up and wait uh, on what Brian Kelly may do. Uh, Shay Dixon is with us uh, from on three, the Bengal Tiger. Shay, there's so many reports out there about portal targets for LSU. Um, and and I, I think it's also hard to make sense of what's real, what's fake. So when you look at the portal targets specifically, are there positions or players that you know that that LSU at this point is targeting?
2: Yes, a corner. I mean, a corner is something that they would like. Obviously, safety. And I've mentioned Jordan Gilbert is a guy that they would love to add now that he's officially in the portal. Receiver. And in my mind, obviously, this is me speaking, that Malik and Brian Thomas are going to go pro, but that they'll get. I think we'll get Kyron Lacy to come back. And some people out there will say, well where would he go, you know, he would never get drafted. He would get drafted. I don't care if he had some drops this year. He also had some amazing touchdowns. He can jump out the gym, he can test, and he can continue to get better. We saw him get better from last year to this year. So, And he's made a big jump from where he was at UL. Um, so I'd look at him as a guy where you say, alright, he's back as your number one or two receiver. Add a portal guy, and maybe two, but probably just one portal guy receiver. We'll see. Right. If they find the right fit at two, then go for it. But uh, I think that's a position we're watching. Um, defensive line, I think if a really good player entered, you'd obviously take a hard look at it. But again, can Mason Smith come back? Can Makai Wingo come back? You're pretty deep at D end. You've got some good jacks. You want to get guys like Warnock on the field. So maybe a D lineman. Um, and really, look, I look at quarterback and say, and it's something Brian Kelly talked about extensively today. He said, look, we, We'll look, but we're going to keep everyone informed, whether that's Garrett Nussmeyer or Ricky Collins or your recruits. Everybody uh, will know kind of what the plan of action is. And for me, Matt, is something you've already talked about. I watched your show the other day where you broke it down that call it an insurance policy, swing for the fences and bring someone in. If you think that you want someone to compete with Nussmeyer or win the job, well, it doesn't matter to me. I've seen two transfer quarterbacks come in here and compete and win Heisman. So whatever route it is, I- think that Brian Kelly said, hey, look, we're looking at it, and I don't know if it will be just a backup or if it will be someone who could honestly compete with Nuss or, um, you know, but whatever it is, I think that this staff clearly knows Hey, we can't fully go into next year without at least looking around at options to give us some sort of backup plan to where if Nuss heads the injury can't you not trotting out Ricky Collins, who's played one game ever and burned two passes against Grambling, like a just don't think that's where they would want to find themselves at. So I'd monitor it. I've not heard anything at quarterback yet. Um, they're probably going to be pretty mum on it. But for me, those are some of the positions. But I would start with the defense has to get better. So you need, some, need a corner, need some safeties, and probably need another D-line
1: Shay, walk me through, um, through the, the calendar here. As coaches are on the road recruiting this week, and we've got the December signing period coming up. All this while the portal's open as well. Walk, walk me through this right now.
2: So they'll have two more weeks on the road uh, to recruit, and then you'll run into that'll be in home visits, that'll be weekend uh, official visits, mostly all commits. I mean, beyond a for Dominic McKinley over to Gadianna, the D line men uh, who still committed AM are kind of their top remaining targets at the high school level. And obviously, you'll bring in some uh transfer portal guys to meet them and and visit with them then so all that happens in these next couple of weeks of what's called MATA contact period. So you can also leave campus. These guys the coaches are on the road. They can go in home with kids. Uh, that's a very small window that only happens a couple of times a year. And that will run December 1st to the 16th. Um, then on the 17th it goes back to quiet. That means you can only have kids in person on campus. And then the 18th is the dead period. So that rolls up right to where they're a couple of days later. That's a, a Sunday night or Monday. And two days later, the 20th, is when the early signing period begins. Um, mm-hmm. And that's for high school guys. Portal guys can obviously commit and then sign whatever letter of grant of aid or whatever they do to transfer at any point. But high schoolers, that's kind of the calendar here until um, Christmas time. Is The 20th to the 22nd will be signing day.
1: Is Dominic McKinley a realistic possibility for this, this staff?
2: I mean, I think realistic in the sense that Elijah Robinson is not the D-line coach anymore and there's been staff shake up and does he really still feel like that's the fit for him or does he go elsewhere? I also will note Texas has had buzz. And then I'll say, look, Rutherford called LSU his dream school, like in interviews, he made visits. We haven't seen Dal McKinley do any of that this uh, season. He's been pretty quiet about things and just playing out of KD and I season. So for me,
1: Okay, that'll do it for us here on this Wednesday edition of LSU Daily, presented by Tacovis. If you're new, do us a favor, please subscribe up on your favorite podcast app. Rate us, leave a review, and let a friend know. If they love the Tigers, we got you covered every single weekday here for about 30 minutes or less on LSU Daily, presented by Tacovis.